0: Today's episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by Simple Contacts. To get $30 off your contact lenses, go to simplecontacts.com slash filmcast and enter filmcast at checkout. Today's episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh. Please visit hellofresh.com and use the promo code filmcast30 to save $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. That's filmcast 30 to save $30.
1: Hello and welcome to the Slash Film Cast, the official podcast of Slashfilm.com. I'm Devendra Hardawar and tonight I'm joined with Jeff Canada. Hey, Jeff. And also joining us tonight is Karen Hahn, a writer from Slash Film, Vulture, Vice, all over the place. Hi, Karen.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Glad to have you. And uh, Karen, like, what have you been up to lately? I've seen you out and about in New York, but I think this is our first time getting you on this show, right? You've been on the other podcast with Dave, right?
2: Yes, I have. Um, I'm happy to be here, though, since I, do, I feel like my home outlet is Slash Film at this point. So it's nice to be on. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Perfect. And tonight we're going to be talking about Justice League, um, a film which honestly surprised me. So I'll leave it at that. Um, as usual, you can leave us an email at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at at slashfilmcast. And, uh, you know, we're going to start talking about what we've been watching. I had a chance to see Mudbound, the new film from D. Reese, uh, the director who did Pariah a few years ago. And uh, I re- this is a really fascinating film. So it's available on Netflix now. It's also in limited release in some theaters. Uh, I think it's worse seeing on the big screen. Um, it tells the story of a farm uh, post-World War II, a farm owned by a white family, but that a black family is also working and renting uh, to just kind of make their way. And it deals with basically the racial tensions in that era. But I think it does some really interesting things too. Um because both families have uh, people coming back from World War II, so they're also dealing with the post traumatic stress from that whole ordeal, and also just kind of surviving in the post World War II era uh, in Mississippi. It's kind of difficult, and the film is really kind of gets you in the heads of all the characters and it has a great cast too uh, stars Carrie Mulligan, Jason Clark, Mary J. Blige. Um, and Gary Hedlund's in here as well. And this is one of those films where you will hear a lot of inner monologue from characters. It almost feels like a novel in that way. Um, maybe a bit of like how Goodfellas kind of handled it, but it feels just really epic and expansive, but at the same time, really giving us a close look at this family and their struggles. Definitely worth watching. Um, you know, when you hear a movie about racial tensions in the South, I almost feel like we've seen that a lot. But what I'm really fascinated by is that this movie just handled it in new, in different ways. Like it deals with something like uh, maybe like white guilt for the first time, where these families have noticed like they have a particular privilege that the other family that, you know, is working with them uh, is just renting land from them, but they're in a much harsher spot. And it kind of deals with that in interesting ways, too uh yeah so really enjoyed that um have you guys seen this yet
2: uh yeah i saw it at a new york film festival a couple weeks ago
1: what do you think karen
2: um i liked it i don't think my reaction has been as effusive as everyone else's but the performances are all really good and i um definitely did like it
1: yeah it's uh i think structurally very interesting it's just kind of unique in that way and uh, I'm glad to see Dee Reese just getting a chance to make another big movie because uh, Pariah was great. And that happened, uh, that's what, 2012? It was a couple of years ago. And since then, she hasn't done any major films. So just would love to see her get more chances to do things. I um, also got to see Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, oh, I'm really excited yeah. to see that. Oh, yeah. The new film for Martin McDonough, written and directed by him. I love this guy. I loved In Bruges. I loved Seven Psychopath. It, just like his vibe is very much in tune with me. And this is a film about a mother played by Frances McDormand who sets up these three billboards to basically question the local police about, you know, why haven't they found uh, the man who murdered uh, and raped her daughter. And it's a really it's a really dark premise, but like all of his things, like it's also really funny films at times, too. Like, it's a dark comedy, I think, in the purest sense. Kind of juggles both really funny moments and then just excruciatingly dark ones. Um, You know, I love this film. Uh, I've seen some complaints about, like, the motivations of the characters. Like, it goes places that you wouldn't expect. And people act in ways that don't feel specifically motivated, but it kind of worked for me within those characters. Uh, the big takeaway here, though, is I think Frances McDormand. Uh, this is this feels like an Oscar win for her. She is just a titan in this movie. She's just she is like a mother lion who's just full ferociousness, and uh, it's it's kind of amazing to see. But the movie also deals with uh, the impact of that too, like just being a being of pure anger. Uh, the blowback against you and the people around you. Uh, That's all something explores as well. Also stars Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson, who are both great in it. Um, Sam Rockwell kind of plays this sleazly, useless cop. Uh, And it's, I I think his character arc goes interesting places too. Um, Although I I guess you have to suspend your disbelief at certain points too. So have you guys seen this film yet?
0: I have not. I'm I'm really excited to though. I am, I'm, uh, very much anticipating it sounds like you liked it a lot
1: i liked it a lot um i feel like between imbruge and, and, and uh, seven psychopaths um those films i, I think imbruge is just kind of a perfect little movie and seven psychopaths is really fun it feels more of like a straight up darker film uh I, I don't know if it comes together as well as some of those other ones but i still enjoyed it overall and yeah, you know still a strong entry from him but go ahead karen
2: Uh, Yeah. I've seen it twice now. It's maybe it's in strong contention for my top movie of the year. I really, really loved it. Um, I would die for Martin McDonough. I think he's absolutely (laughs) incredible. Um, Yeah, this movie, it's incredible. I agree with everything that you've said. Um, And I think it does kind of come at a weird sort of in between for Mm -hmm. like between In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths just because it is so kind of stolidly American just because of the setting. Whereas, like, In Bruges is a very, um, I guess not Belgian film, but it's very huge to his more, like, Irish sensibilities, whereas Seven Psychopaths feels a little more all over the map just by virtue of the number of characters in it. Mm -hmm. But, um, the way that it kind of taps into the setting and also, as you were saying, like, the blowback of, um everyone's strong emotions like how much of this is actually helpful and how much of it isn't really doing anything it's it's a great movie
1: yeah i think it's ultimately for me it seems like a movie about how anger can kind of destroy you even if it makes you feel you know even if you feel good by tapping into it in a way uh but it's a really human film too that's why i've loved about all of his stuff uh while also being just kind of uh dark and kind of interesting at the same time and yeah that's what i've seen jeff what have you been watching
0: Well, I got a chance to see an early screening of The Shape of Water, which is uh, the new film from Guillermo del Toro, which I have said uh, uh, maybe 200 times in my life, and I can never say it easily. (laughs) I have such a hard time wrapping my mouth around his name. Anyway, um, I know it's kind of blasphemous to say on a film geek podcast uh, among film geeks, but... I've never loved a Guillermo del Toro movie, and and it has nothing to do with how difficult it is to say his name for me. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly, I I have had some some fun with them. Uh, I have appreciated what he brings to the craft. I certainly think he is a, a very skilled filmmaker and has passion I love hearing him talk I think the guy's a, a great spokesman for the medium and is passionate about what he does I admire him on certain levels I've just never loved his movies uh-huh. I I did straight up didn't like pan's Labyrinth I know that's blasphemous to say pretty much, uh, I mean yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I know I'm sorry I, and and there's uh, a few that I haven't seen, but, uh, um, you know, I so have which ones o-
1: haven't you seen Jeff.
0: Uh, some of the early ones, uh, Kronos and mimic. I haven't seen,
1: <laughs> you don't have to see mimic for sure. Chronos is would... a really interesting thing. Uh, devil's backbone is so good, but man, it's, it's okay. Like his vibe is, he's a very specific yes. vibe of like magical realism. And yeah, you either click with it or you don't in the end.
0: <laughs> well, I will say with that preface, yeah. the shape of water is my favorite of his movies nope. so far. Um, it is not perfect. I I felt like uh about two thirds of the way in, I felt like, oh my god, I think this might be a movie I love that will be on my my top movies of the year. And and then he just like can't help himself and it gets goofy. Like honestly, if they just excised two scenes in this movie, I would think it would be a almost near perfect film. But it just dips into this goofiness that he can't help himself about. I don't even know if I should mention the premise. Is, it, is that yeah, public I think knowledge? The, the
1: basic premise, it's been the trailers and a lot of the marketing too. I didn't know anything. I know
2: that of... this is probably going to have to get cut, but can I ask what those two scenes were? I'm extremely curious. <laughs> have I've you seen, seen it? the movie, so, Yeah, I have. I haven't
1: seen it yet. So you guys, you can talk about okay. it yourselves.
2: All right. I'll DM later. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I will just say that they are uh, flights of romantic fancy. Do you know you, what I mean? Yeah.
2: Sure. Mm, okay. Oh, that's. A yeah. bo- I think that was my favorite like, part of it. But anyway, anyway. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. That I mean, maybe like it works for Jero others
1: in general, right? The Pacific Rim has flights of romantic fancy in a giant robot movie, and that's that's right. Kinda, that's what I love about him in a way.
0: And yeah, and like I said, he he like in my from my perspective, he can't help himself. Like mm-hmm. he's so he's so in love with his own movie that he's just going to indulge in. I think he he had, he had achieved. What he set out to achieve, and then goes three steps more, and it's like now, now it just feels silly, and you're making us. I mean, it's hard to talk about this in vague things, and I, I'm kind of talking around it. But mm-hmm. the movie is is a love story, and I think a, a quite a beautiful one, uh, and it's about people who don't have a voice, quite literally and quite figuratively. It's. Uh, it is a movie that is exquisitely economical, at least in the first half, with how it introduces characters and how it expresses who they are in very, very wonderful shorthand. Um, and and it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully expressed. It is. It was so close to being like in my top five movies of the year. And I think there's just a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, now it just feels kind of gross and goofy. <laughs> and like... You know, like, there, there it is It is about a relationship with a human and a non-human. I will right. say that. And, and just, uh, just
1: not into where that's going. So we're, we're going to be talking about this movie yeah, more yeah. in depth in a couple of weeks when it fully releases.
0: Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I'm this looking forward it's to like, it.
2: like, no, I'm not against fish man romance. It's, <laughs> it's not, not necessarily
0: <laughs> that I'm against. I yeah. I, lo- I love love. I, I, and know, I, love
1: I know what I'm expecting going into this. I'm expecting I mean, some monster sex.
0: Well, and we get you know. detailed <laughs> explanation of how that works, and we don't need it. We don't need it. Um, I want to say one more thing about this movie, which is I am prepared at this point. It, it has been percolating in the back of my head, mm-hmm. but now I'm prepared to take a stand and say that Richard Jenkins is my favorite living actor. Mm. Nice. I, so good. I, think, yeah. I think he is never bad and often brilliant and almost – and even more often perfection mm-hmm. in, in, in whatever he is he is so good in this and it and I guarantee you he's not gonna get an Oscar nomination, but he should yeah. because he's brilliant he's like quietly great all the time. Yes. Yeah. He's always perfect and he's so willing to look strange and foolish and do the thing that's right for the character and kind of allow himself to recede into the background and it just he's a selfless actor and one that is not celebrated enough and he is he's never bad he's so he always brings the, his a-game and it is it is just incredible to watch him and and he's great in this so uh, i i still recommend shape of water i, I like it uh, very much but i could have loved it If not for a couple of of moments.
1: Well, I'm glad you found a Guillermo del Toro movie that you can actually enjoy, though, Jeff. So indeed, yeah, indeed. Although there will be no Blade Two blasphemy on this podcast.
0: (laughs) It's fine. Perfect. (laughs) It's okay. fine. I I, I had a great time with Blade, too. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think you said you've watched it recently and it held I up.
1: Did, I did, yeah. Uh, I watch that movie at least once a year. It's pretty
0: It's awesome. fine. It's yeah. great. And
1: like I said, I've grim. had fun like, with his That movies. guy just is after all of my sensibilities just because yeah. I know exactly what he's referencing when he's making those movies.
0: I'm into Pacific Rim. Uh, it's fine. It's fun too. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's fun, and I have fun with the Hellboy movie. movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't Is know. That, None of those movies are great in my opinion, but they're yeah. all fine. They're all fun. All fine. You know.
1: Karen, yeah. I know you were also you've been watching a love story as well, right? Between a man and his uh, his guns.
2: Oh yeah, I have started watching the Marvel Punisher. I think I'm about two thirds of the way through it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good. It's the latest uh, Netflix Marvel show. Um, starring john bernthal as frank castle um the i am not entirely sure why i keep watching it because i feel like it's not paying like the dividends that i would like That's it how to Netflix
1: gets you it's just yeah like, it's absolutely happening true. i don't know it's just gonna keep playing the next episode.
2: yeah it's so like if you don't move it's just gonna keep happening to you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like all right yeah i'm just gonna you keep watching move. this but i love not moving it's exactly. True. Like it's I don't true. want to touch the remote. Like I don't want to have to like go and browse through the other two hundred things that I need to watch on Netflix.
0: They figured out my favorite thing to do, which
2: is not move, <laughs> It's to not make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, although that is generally how they get me. I spend like yeah. two hours trying to figure out what I'm trying to watch. Um. But Punish is right there, so why not? Um, so how does
1: it rank, like, in compared to the other Marvel shows?
2: I don't know. I feel like. For a while, I felt like I was in the minority and thinking that I they weren't like really that great. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, the general opinion has started catching up and saying, like maybe they don't need as many episodes. Maybe yeah. they can yeah. like, trim the fat a lot here and maybe think a little bit more about what they're putting into their mm-hmm. shows.
1: I think even the good Marvel shows tended to be at least four episodes too long.
2: And yeah, like, this one especially yeah. feels really, really drawn out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that's happened so far that I've been like, I don't think this needed to... <laughs> be a plot point at all like yeah. it's very in that I, I think way. in
1: many cases they should just be like six to eight episodes or something and I'm not sure how long this one is but typically they've been 12 episodes right
2: yeah 12 13 um, I just watched Alias Grace which was six <laughs> episodes and I was like this is the perfect amount of episodes <laughs> yeah. this is all you need to do a good show
0: yeah. I heard this Punisher is uh, is very melancholy as a show it's very sad um, almost I depressing
2: yeah, I think it's sadder than like the movies that have come out at least, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if I would char- characterize the entire show that way. Um, I mean, it mostly I think comes across that way because there is a pretty prominent chunk of the story that's given over to kind of addressing um, the way that people who've served in the war overseas will feel when they come back and like dealing with PTSD and readjusting to civilian life. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the stronger storylines, but it it doesn't mesh 100% with the Punisher story arc. At least it doesn't just yet. I'm trying to refrain from passing too much judgment before I finish the show, which, why am I finishing the show? But whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, why, Karen? Why? What's happening? I mean, he was a fine character in Daredevil season two. Like, I've never liked yeah, Punisher, yeah. but that was a, that was a show where he was at least balanced against somebody who was really trying to do the exact opposite of him and it was all about yeah. like that moral consequence of like what what he's doing i don't
2: yeah, I don't absolutely. know what the point of doing
1: a whole show about you know a mass murderer basically it's, I, yeah
2: it's yeah. weird because they try to counterbalance it by introducing another character who kind of sees frank as a role model and like does the same thing but i feel like the point is not really yeah. getting it across doesn't 100% Karen just
1: good will show up again cuz she, she yeah. just doesn't have a I life just... of her own i guess
2: i like her less and less as she shows up <laughs> which i feel bad about because like she shares my name, so yeah. I like like her. But every time I'm like, ah, like, why is she here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it just seems like she's a character that they just throw in alongside some of the other characters to kind of give them I don't know a little more depth or something. Uh, but Daredevil season two that was good. It's just I'll mm-hmm. watch that again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I should be I, should be I should be
0: loving is. these shows, and I, I I'm not watching them. I'm just not I'm just invested them at all
2: save yourself yeah. the half day jeff honestly yeah. yeah i mean punisher
1: certainly doesn't seem like one of the necessary ones but like luke cage was definitely worth a watch jessica jones uh i gave defenders a chance and it's fine but yeah not something i'll probably finish although corny yeah. weaver is awesome and he <laughs> up in that show i think you guys are like so right movie if movie? these were like oh, yeah. six
0: or six mm-hmm. or eight episodes each it would be yeah I'd be all over them. I
1: think but Defenders it just, yeah. is 8 yeah. episodes. So there is that. Oh so, really? Yeah. It's uh, well, it's
0: 8 8 36, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> plus everything else, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. You don't have to see everything else. Like I didn't see Iron Fist at all and I feel like I didn't even though he's plays an essential role in the Defenders, they all mm-hmm. the mythology you need to know they kind of just shove in there. So you you get a sense of it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I never watched Defenders. I just didn't get around to it. <laughs>
1: But you're watching The Punisher. You're very confusing, Karen.
2: I love I love John Bernthal. He's great. He is
1: really good. He's very good at the pun- as the Punisher. Uh, I wanted mostly... to get
2: something else, <laughs> like something else that's like big and kind of like worth his talent. He'll
1: have more chances. Like he's yeah. he's kind of he's on fire right now.
2: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're not you're not recommending The Punisher? Uh,
2: no. It's a bit. I mean uh put it on while you're doing laundry I guess which <laughs> it doesn't sound like a laundry show but I wouldn't it's it's a long time commitment it is
1: yeah pretty crazy
0: you know what else is a a waste of your time guys uh-huh. going to the optometrist and renewing your prescription uh for your contacts when you don't have to you know why you don't have to because there's a new service called simple contacts i'm using this now i got to tell you it's great it's all done in an app. It's it cuts out the middleman, the middleman being the optometrist. <laughs> I used to have to go into like Costco or whatever and schedule a thing. Listen, if I can avoid going to Costco in my life, I will because it's a it's a hellscape <laughs> going into Costco, but I would go in there because they have an optometry department and it was close to my house and I would I would endure that just to get the same old prescription and uh and then get my new contacts, but now I don't have to. I've been using Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts does it all through an app. So what you do is you hold the app up to your eye. It takes a picture of your eye. It, it uh, checks what it checks. And then you set your your phone um, a designated distance away from you, and it performs an eye exam on you. You literally say the letters out loud. It oh, wow. listens. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And then, even better than that, it then sends your results to one of their physicians, one of their optometrists, and they – this is a a certified doctor. Mm -hmm. They uh, review your prescription and make sure it's good. It's not like it's completely automated, so you're going to get errors. A human being who knows how to do this stuff is part of the process every single time with Simple Contacts. Now, it's important to note this is not a replacement for your periodic – Health eye exam because it's not going to check for, you know, tears in your retina or um, uh, diseases that may happen. So that's still important that you have to do. It's not a complete replacement for ever going to the optometrist, but for these times when you want to uh, renew your prescription and order contacts, it makes it so easy. And they have all the contact brands uh, on their website. It's so simple, it arrived. Lickety split! It really arrived in just a couple of days. I had my new contacts, my new monthly contacts. It was so so easy. I really have to say I I loved the experience. Uh, you have convenience, speed, safety because you know they're they're checking it by a, a a doctor, a choice because there's so many different kinds of contacts, basically all the kinds of lenses you are familiar with, and savings because you're saving. Uh, the cost of having to go in and pay, you know, multiple hundreds of dollars most of the time for those eye exams. The eye exam is only 30 bucks on simple Contest. Oh, wow, it's pretty nice. great. Yeah. It's so cool. And guess what? We're gonna hook you up with an even bigger discount because you listen to our show. All you gotta do is go to simplecontacts.com/slash filmcast, use the promo code filmcast at checkout. And we'll save you $30 off your contact lenses. So you're basically getting a free eye exam uh, on us. Use that promo code filmcast at checkout. Go to simplecontacts.com filmcast. Renew your prescription. It's so simple. See how easy it is. It's great.
1: Let's also take a moment to thank our donors. I uh, just want to thank Brittany Jordan for her generous donation and Stefan for still, as well as new subscriber, Willie McCord. We appreciate all your support. It really helps to make this podcast possible. Let's move on to news discussion. And this week, uh, I think it's just worth uh, taking a step back and just, uh, I don't know what we're going to call this, but uh, the burning of the patriarchy, I guess. Everything (laughs) is just kind of on fire. Uh, People you know and love or people you've seen and followed and maybe have admired uh, are disappointing us all around. So most recently today, as we were recording Uh, allegations against Charlie Rose and his, like, unwanted sexual advances. Uh, There was a new story about Al Franken last week about his really crude jokes and, yeah, things he's been doing as part of his his act before that just weren't great. Um, I guess it's just worth talking about, too. Like, since the last time we've talked about this, uh, we mentioned some of the initial Kevin Spacey allegations, and since then uh, things have kind of fallen apart around the kevin spacey empire right like he's out yeah. of house of cards
0: he um, got christopher plummered
1: yeah he got christopher plummered which is just so they're cutting him out of uh what, what's that movie
2: all the money in the world yeah yes and i saw
1: the trailer for that like the week before all this news went down so it isn't saying that they're cutting him out of that entirely uh, with a
0: month before release i uh-huh. mean it's like the movie was done <laughs> And they're like, nope, recasting. I mean, it's it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a bold move from Ridley Scott, and kind of I would say kudos to him for
2: it's,
0: doing it. But yeah, yeah,
2: it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. I saw it, it, I think like an girl, article right? this morning where yeah, yeah, like and like this morning Ridley Scott was. I think I saw a, a report where he was just like, yeah, I work fast. It'll be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like I'll, well, I'll, I'll just him. deal with it. Uh, but yeah, apparently, like it's a major character in that
0: movie. Uh, but it's yeah, they were talking Oscar buzz too.
1: But also not the sort. Apparently, like it was what a week or two of shooting that they can just get it out and done.
0: So that's. that's I kind of wonder if that's gonna if you're gonna feel that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is it just Christopher Plummer <laughs> in front of a green screen for four days and then he's in the movie?
2: I don't know. Oh, the Henry Cavill mustache effect. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly.
0: I don't. They, I... Did
1: they pull that original trailer? Because that was floating around for a while too, and like that trailer ended on the big Kevin Spacey reveal in uh, yeah. old man makeup. And I do, Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. But it's just like in general, too. We're, I guess, in a weird space culturally where everything is being um, – yeah, everything is just being investigated. I, I think these are things that we definitely should have been asking questions about before, especially like everything around Kevin Spacey and how that was an open secret. Um, yeah, we, I mean, I think we've even talked about some allegations around him in this show before. But it, we weren't in an environment where anything was really being done about it. And now at least there's consequences and people are speaking up and there's kind of the environment to speak up. So I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, do you guys have anything else to add around all this? Like, Al Franken, that kind of broke my heart, too. Although I do think we need to start, like, I don't know, uh, outside of having, like, actual um, legal ways to break this down, it seems like we're sort of grouping everyone together. And it does seem like, okay. Yeah. What Al Franken did was also terrible and not great and not funny back then. And certainly not today. Uh, I did appreciate the fact that he genuinely apologized and like other people and um, his, like the person that he had basically um, had, the person that was affected by that, uh, accepted his apology. And he, what he, he kind of did everything he could, right. Uh,
0: he's and he's welcoming, mm-hmm. welcoming an investigation. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, it, everybody is being painted with the same brush. And I think there, it is, it is different, but one of the, one of the things that we should do, you know, we should all do is listen. And so I would say, Karen, (laughs) allow the two of us to sit here and listen for a little while instead of talking. And and what is your, what is your feelings about this?
2: Oh God, I don't know. It's, I guess it's, it's hard to talk about just because it's um, I guess one of those things where it's difficult to compartmentalize your own, emotions on the thing because you uh right, right. your own personal experiences are always going to be different from the those of the people who are actually uh, right. affected by whatever is currently in the news and i know the kind of difficult part is i um part of the whole like me too campaign floating around has been right. people saying like it's the part of why this is difficult is because a lot of people who have experienced similar um instances of assault are kind of having to uh, re-experience or relitigate that with themselves every time that they see something like this in the news. Um, I agree with Jeff, and that the most important part of this seems to be listening to what people have to say um, and not uh, dismissing that outright. And that's been kind of the strange part mm-hmm. of looking at what allegations have been leveled so far, like. Some people have tried to offer apologies, but, for instance, in, like, the Louis C.K. instance, when he apologized, it did not he didn't ever actually say sorry nope. yeah, in yeah. what he said. And it it didn't come off as very sincere or otherwise very well Absolutely. thought out. And that was um, last
1: week, too. We didn't even mention him yeah. yet, but that, that was <laughs> kind of heartbreaking. And also things – we've heard rumors from, like, Gawker and other sites for a while about That's that. That's the crazy part, yeah. It is crazy. Um, that, that does kind of break my heart, too, because it's like – he is tied to so many other comedians. Like I've yeah. just been finishing up better things, which I think is a perfect show. And Pamela Adlon is so great in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Louis CK co created
0: her statement. With, yeah. Her, her statement, statement was heartbreaking. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just, just it,
1: rough. Mm.
0: It's, it's hard, man. I, you know, and, and, um, a lot of these people are my personal heroes. I mean, I, I've said many times that if I could have my dream job, it would be, to be charlie rose you know would be to have his pbs show um and, and so he and he's a person i've watched religiously for, sure. for 20 years you know like that show is was on when i was in college and i you know i loved it and i loved it in high school and i loved it you know i like it was part of of how i learned about the world and art and architecture and all the different topics that he covered I I saw through the lens of his show and was exposed to so many things and it broadened my horizons and made me think about the world and here he is and it's really heartbreaking you know and, and a lot of people say well you know maybe we should have more heroes that are women <laughs> and have more diverse heroes and I think that's another takeaway that is useful and um, worth considering um, not that there aren't some women that do terrible things, but it it does seem to be there's a lot fewer of them, uh, and and I think we this is ultimately a very positive thing for our culture. We are all waking up to something that has been going on forever and shouldn't. And I think it's all going to be end up being a positive thing for the next generation uh, of men and women. And uh, I I do think ultimately. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's terrible that these things have happened in any in any of these cases. Right. These are none of these are good things. Obviously, any woman that is coming forward or man, Terry Crews is an example of a man, but uh, mostly women uh, that have come forward, have been harboring a a sense of, um, you know, of pain, uh, for a long time, they, they wouldn't come forward if they didn't, if it didn't stay with them. So this is all a positive thing that, that these things are seeing the light of day and not just being quietly suffered in the shadows. For
1: sure. yeah.
0: But the, but the, with the one caveat, I so awful to say caveat, it's not a caveat, but it, to say that it, as we have mentioned, there is a, a gradient here. Right. And it's, it's really hard to see everything get painted with the Harvey Weinstein brush or the Roy Moore brush. Right, right. Uh, and, and even Charlie Rose, I would put into what seems to be the monster category. Um, because we had nine women initially come out and, and it sounds like many, many more are coming out saying things about Charlie Rose. And when you have these, these guys that have done it, you know are serial offenders and do these horrible things yeah yeah it it is it is different i think and it's okay that it can be different we can acknowledge that in every case it's unacceptable but there are some people that are monsters and there are others that did monstrous things Mm -hmm. And and there's a difference there i think and we don't have to make all men into monsters or even all of these men into monsters, we can recognize that there are men that do stupid, cowardly, dumb things that they should never have done. And we should never, uh, make excuses for, mm-hmm. but that does not indicate a pattern in their life. Like it does in other cases that should be treated with the gravitas they deserve. Right, right.
1: It it seems like we're in the beginning of a cultural conversation. It's just we may not even have the language for kind of figuring out or determining the differences between how we, I don't know, look at these different men. Um, The Louis C.K. thing in particular, uh, it kind of makes me want to revisit Louis, the show, and just like there was something that always rubbed me the wrong way, especially about uh, season one of that show. Uh, It was funny. It was insightful, but that show worked really hard to position Louis C.K. as, like, the one right guy, right? Like, his his position on whatever he was commenting on was genuinely like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. You know, I'm the sane one here, and everyone else is wrong for some reason. And I think that's sort of like, I don't know, that weird, like, moral superiority just feels especially strange and weird now. Um, I haven't seen his new movie. Uh, I kind of want to see that just as a cultural artifact, but I hope... Uh, will
0: anyone get, get rid- to
1: i don't know i don't know like uh well the screeners apparently have gone out for some people um but or some people have been able to see it outside of festivals That'll be a
0: collector's uh, item I
1: yeah, think. yeah yeah i don't i don't think that movie should be released but i think it'd be an interesting thing to explore uh especially around all this because that movie kind of directly touches on uh the allegations against him right
0: yeah and, and there's a whole bunch of people that put a lot of hard work into that movie. You know, it's, it's a weird thing to have one guy, and clearly he's the auteur here, right? Mm-hmm. He's the writer, director, and star, and so it is uniquely about him and of him and certainly feels gross. The subject matter directly, feels gross.
1: yeah, commenting on his own situation in a way. Yeah. yeah. But also,
0: like, all the—I'm I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people that put in really good work that— didn't even think about that or oh, for sure. you know they were just making a movie they were reading a script and making a movie and doing the, the best they could do or or you know working in the costume department or whatever it is you know it's it's just crazy that all of their hard work gets tanked too I, I just feel like it's all unfortunate you yeah, know, it's, it's, a all sad.
1: it's a sad story all around uh, anything else you guys want to mention around this otherwise we'll move on to happier news alright happier news Ryan Johnson is doing a new Star Wars trilogy, and he's doing an entirely new trilogy, like not even something tied to the Skywalker clan uh, or any other storyline. So I think that's pretty exciting. That's all we know, right? Friend
0: now. of the show, yeah. friend of the show, Ryan Johnson just decided to spend the next decade of his life making Star Wars right. movies. Right. That's wild. It's crazy to make that decision. Any de- anybody uh-huh. to make that decision to go. Okay, well, I'm going to do this for a decade. <laughs> I
1: wonder, it's more like Disney, though, right? It's all up to them. And I wonder if, like, does, is this a statement on the quality of Episode 8? And they're just it's like, oh, gotta he, be. we got to hold on to this guy. Uh, it's got to be. I mean, they,
0: they clearly love what they're seeing from Episode 8, I which guess makes sense. So. And maybe excited.
1: also a response to, like, what they've also done with some of the other Star Wars movies where they kind of bring on a young, potentially promising director and, you know, cut them off halfway or fire them. Yeah.
0: Uh-uh. You could have had a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> All you had to do was not screw up.
1: Oh, man. So I love Ryan Johnson. We don't have any details about this. Um, he, yeah, he used to be, I guess, on the show uh, back in the day, playing the banjo. Um, I've just loved following this guy's career, so I'm incredibly proud of him. Uh, I do hope, alongside this, though, like some of the other, you know, Disney's just going to be pumping out these movies, right? They're basically doing a Star Wars movie a year, although I think maybe it was next year we may not have one. Um, But, yeah, they're a franchise machine. They know how to pump this stuff out. I'm glad Ryan Johnson's on this. Uh, I do hope uh, their bad experiences with some young directors isn't scaring them away from letting other people, like, maybe more diverse lineup of directors kind of get their chance at this universe, too. Uh, I just saw the trailer for uh, Ava DuVernay's Wrinkle in Time, and it looks amazing. And I I would love, like, her to get to make a Star Wars movie. Uh, So I just hope they open things up. That's all, because it seems like Disney's becoming more restrictive and sticking with their core people, uh, bringing J.J. Abrams back for episode nine, uh, while a good thing, because I really enjoyed Force Awakens, and I love J.J. Abrams. Uh, kind of sad that didn't like, wasn't something that they opened up to somebody else, uh, probably because they're so scared of dealing with new blood at this point, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, Karen, do you have uh, thoughts on a, a new Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy?
2: Um, I love him. So I'm excited on that front. Although I will say that I'm a little I'm I hope that he still gets to do other movies because I've loved everything else that he's done. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the Brothers Bloom was absolutely lovely. And like everyone else, I loved Brick. So I, I hope he still gets to do his own stuff. I don't think so. <laughs>
0: I, I sound like I'm not hopeful. Of... He's but, just living yeah.
1: in like he's living in the Disney
0: studio. Yeah, at this point, right. Tune in, at, tune in at, in 2030 when Brian Johnson's schedule opens up. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe maybe then he'll be doing his own stuff. But you know, the other <laughs> takeaway that I have from this, which I think is is pretty cool, is I'm hoping this is an indication that we're getting these a Star Wars story out of our system and Disney is uh, moving forward to an idea of just expanding the universe rather than milking the characters that we already love right because I I would be much more excited for Ryan Johnson to lay the groundwork for entirely new characters and adventures in the Star Wars universe rather than a Han Solo movie and a Boba Fett movie (laughs) and a Yoda movie and i Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. And you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that to me is the least interesting thing that Disney can do with this license. And hopefully it indicates that those are the, a finite group of, of films that they're going to kind of churn out in the short term and then move on to more ambitious, interesting stuff moving forward.
1: I, I mean, I kind of hope so. I, there's definitely room for one offs. I think like rogue one for what it is, I didn't need to see that story told but I really like the way it was Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing like I think what we're seeing now is they're not going to abandon the Star like the Skywalker storyline or anything, right? After this trilogy is over, I'm sure they're going to like plan for something else, but maybe now it's like okay, they have two major Star Wars trilogies in the works and they're still going to have these, you know, one-off movies too to fill in the blanks. Like Disney basically knows what it's doing around all this stuff. And Kathleen Kennedy, I'm sure just wants to like lock in this universe as best as possible. So I wouldn't mind seeing more within the Skywalker universe, or at least like, let's tell more of that story. But at the same time, yes, I want to see new people. So it'll probably be a bit of both. Disney's going to milk this for all it's worth. Right.
0: (sighs) i'm so excited for this though I, I i just i honestly this is the best star wars news that i've heard since <laughs> ryan johnson is directing episode
1: eight <laughs> I, shouted, I shouted out loud and my cats freaked out because they were sitting right next to me and it was also weird how this was originally announced i believe it was the disney ceo who just like oh just kind of laid it out in an earnings call and uh let me tell you guys earnings calls as somebody who reports on this stuff are really boring. They really suck. They're usually like CEOs just talking about their financial details and occasionally they'll drop like little niblets of news. Uh, So this was a pretty big thing to drop uh, just during one of those boring calls. So that was all kind of strange too. I wonder if they even expected to do that uh, because like the blog post, I wonder if they had to like rush out and do the blog post right after that. I don't know. Uh, Moving on to news though, uh, Amazon is doing a Lord of the Rings TV show And uh, I think kind of similar, it's not going to be tied to the uh, universe as we know it. Uh, It's going to be a television adaptation telling new storylines before The Fellowship of the Ring, and I assume maybe even before The Hobbit. But yeah, we don't have any... Prequels? What can go wrong? Yeah, it's not like those Hobbit movies weren't a giant waste of time. <laughs> I hate those movies, Karen. I hate them so much.
0: Okay. I, I like them, Karen. You and I are on the, on team. <laughs> Hobbit. Oh yeah, I remember, yeah.
1: That. I remember all of this. It's just because yeah. I love. I, I think Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy is one of the you know best in trilogies we ever got. And then the Hobbit happened, and it seemed like he he just lost all that magic. But also, I was partially angry with like the weird forty eight FPS thing they were trying to sell those movies on. And it looked terrible. Uh, but what's interesting about this is Jeff Bezos basically said he wanted to do, like, his own Game of Thrones. So it is kind of funny that they're just going straight to the source, right? Straight to, like, the biggest fantasy series that they can to do their own thing around that. And that's that's kind of fascinating, I think.
0: They only needed to drop 200 mil for the rights <laughs> alone. This is before budget, before cast, before anything. And this is 200 million just for the rights, which is pretty crazy specifically because the rights to just make up new stories uh, or are we going to do the Silmarillion stuff, uh, which that, is kind of sprawling and like weird. It's
1: barely a story. It's
0: it's, it's not a story. Like, yeah. It's like a, it's like a history, but do yeah, they but draw rules. from that? <laughs> it rules. <laughs> uh, fair enough. <laughs> it doesn't rule. Uh, I'm, I mean, uh, this could be really cool. I, I, it's, how fun will it be to see stories in the uh, in the Tolkien universe that you don't know don't don't know what's going to happen? I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of what they've been doing in the video game world for a long time right now, sure. setting stories in the in the Middle Earth. Although, man, Is hopefully, it,
1: it, I, I hope it's better than Shadow of War because well,
2: I was yeah. going to say like that's yeah. fair, but also the last video game had like f- humanized. Um, spiders yeah, so you, you I, I don't Shulab, know
1: right and uh sexy women she love i believe
2: yeah so. i was like i don't think so Um
1: i like that first game but this the second one is just like a trash fire and feels like fan fiction it's kind of interesting that amazon has you know they're just going to invest this much to do this at the same time though like man i i kind of would like to see something new but i can't remember the last time like a new fantasy series was actually successful uh i guess aside from game of thrones like that was a big risk and I think that was interesting because it's more like the HBO kind of more mature approach to fantasy. I don't what what can Amazon do to really stand out other
0: than just it does, again? It does seem like they're the guys that get to the party a half an hour before it's <laughs> over and are like, We bought a whole new keg. We spent all the money on the whole new keg. who's <laughs> we're all drinking this keg and I was like No guys, we're know, drunk. We, we're done. Yeah, we we drank all we were all drinking. It's we're yeah. No, I'm gonna just Hit the hay. Actually, um, it does feel like they're real late to this party. But I'm hopeful that that this turns out to be really cool. I mean, this could be su- like super prequely, like mm-hmm. the third, you know, the second age of men instead of the third age. You know, this could be like it could be like more like um, what the Knights of the Old Republic was for mm-hmm. Star Wars, where you know it's it's so far in it, mm-hmm. before that it's it's basically a new take on the universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, whatever they do for Lord of the Rings, I hope it's fresh. I hope it feels fresh. You know, like our new sponsor, hello fresh. (laughs) (laughs) See how I did that. It's uh, so good. Uh, Hello fresh is an at home meal delivery service that lets you be a cook in your own home and eat healthy food for a very reasonable price. And, with fresh ingredients. So, you know, you're, you're treating your body, right? You're treating your family, right? You're learning skills to become a better, uh, cook. That's my favorite thing about it. Honestly, is I love the fact that because I've been cooking for myself through the use of HelloFresh, I actually have gotten good at chopping stuff. I kind of understand cooking. I was not a cook. I was never a cook. I didn't know how to do anything, but because HelloFresh makes it so easy and has these uh, easy to follow recipes and all fresh ingredients. And it's just step by step. It lays it all out in a very simple, clear, concise way with pictures. I have become a much better cook nice. at, 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 and, and I feel confident about it. I life actually skills. enjoy it. Those are great life skills. And, and I found the love, like, you know, the joy of cooking, as, as the old saying goes, <laughs> I have found it. I, I have the joy of cooking. But even better than that, I'm healthier. I'm eating better. I mean, before when I was just a bachelor, I would eat like the same four meals over and over and over again. It was ridiculous. And they were not good for me and they were just easy and and predictable. But now there's such variety in the things that I eat and it's all fresh ingredients. HelloFresh employs two Full-time registered dietitians on staff, and they review every recipe to ensure that it is nutritionally balanced. So you're you're actually treating your body right, which is cool. And uh, it's easy. I mean, it's it's easy. The food is delivered right to your doorstep in recyclable insulated boxes for free. All shipping is always free. And it turns out that you'll be spending less than ten dollars per person per meal, which is pretty amazing. Guess what? If you want to try it out, we're going to hook you up. You're going to get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com and entering promo code FilmCast30. I, m- I messed that up last time. It's FilmCast30. Uh-huh. You remember that because it's $30 off. So FilmCast30 is the promo code. Uh, some people emailed and were like, um, Jeff, I tried <laughs> FilmCast and it didn't work. FilmCast30 okay. is the promo code. Try it out and uh, and become healthier, better, happier. It's great.
1: Now on to our review of Justice League. The world remains
2: in mourning after the death of Superman. Violence, acts of war, and terrorism are all on the rise.
0: I had a dream. It was the end of the world. You've <laughs> had... I think it's something more.
1: That was from the trailer from Justice League, the new film from Zack Snyder, and uh, the latest entry in his uh, DC universe at Warner Brothers. I'm going to read the summary here from IMDb. Fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by Superman's selfless act, Bruce Wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally, Diana Prince, to face an even greater enemy. I realize... Yeah, going into this expectations at least for me were pretty low. Uh but I'm wondering like uh you know what were you thinking going into this movie and then we can talk about our initial thoughts. Uh but yeah, Karen, like what have you thought about this uh the WB DC universe so far?
2: Um I think I'm I'm kind of one of those crazy people who uh liked Batman versus Superman. I think I feel like there's <laughs> maybe five of us out there. Um, I know. And I thought Man of Steel was a perfect movie. Oh. And I thought Wonder Woman was fine. So that is my <laughs> WPTC movie's ranking a, so far. I need
0: a
1: jack uni- button I, for this podcast right now.
2: I know. a
0: suggest- unique unicorn. We have found a, a very unique creature <laughs> in the wild. It's
2: good having different and perspectives. And I haven't a yeah. single person about it. So <laughs> I feel like that ups my qualifications.
0: Right. And Jeff, where do you stand? Well, as... Frequent listeners of the show know uh, I I despised uh, Man of Steel. Uh, I thought Batman versus Superman somehow was even worse, and uh, I loved Wonder Woman. Loved Wonder Woman, and was so happy that it seemed that um, the DC Universe found, I uh, figured out how to do it. I figured out how to do these characters the way I was hoping that they could be done with hope and joy and mm-hmm. and positivity. Okay. And I was hoping that that was a turning point for the series, and that it, uh, Justice League would flow from that newfound uh, uh, perspective on on the characters.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty much in line with you, Jeff. Uh, like Man of Steel. I really wanted to love that movie. I was actually, you know, I really enjoyed Zack Snyder's work before that, except for Sucker Punch, and we will not talk about that movie again. Uh, But, you know, between like 300, uh, he's, and and Watchmen, like I think he has a very uh, unique, he has a great visual sense. He really knows how to frame things, and he does action really well. And when it comes to, you know, storytelling, usually that's where he needs a little bit of help with his screenwriters. And I think uh, it was uh, David Goyer who was helping out with Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. And I just, I'm never a fan when David Goyer is working on something. And I I feel like that kind of affected it. They just seem to lose the soul of Superman to me. Uh, I don't even need to be like really, I'm not trying to be like super hardcore about what the character should be. uh, But it is strange to have a movie about a, a guy who's basically the symbol of hope and the entire first movie, Most of Man of Steel, is about why he shouldn't be that. Um, right. The worst Pa Kent rendition I've ever seen. Uh, I did just rewatch Batman no. Superman because my wife had never seen it. And yeah, that movie is pretty bad. Like, just very incoherent. Um, it's more coherent than something like Suicide Squad, which is barely a movie. Like, that movie is basically a collection of scenes uh, with pop song soundtracks kind of jumbled together. Uh, but yeah, barely a movie to me. Um, but yeah, what? So going into this movie now, um, what are your initial thoughts on Justice League, Karen?
2: Um, I thought it was fine. I saw it about a week ago, and I feel like I've already forgotten a majority of what happened in it. Um, but it does. It, it having said that, I still don't feel like I would say like it was a horrible movie. It wasn't great, but it wasn't um as abjectly awful as it could be. Right. Um, cause there are some parts of it that I really liked. I was really on board with it for about the first hour. Um, and as much as I hate to kind of drag talk about the production of the movie into it, as soon as you can kind of tell where different stylistic touches are coming in, Most that's kind of when I started to fall off, ah. um, the hype train for justice league, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't like this. So <laughs> it's fine. Yeah.
1: It's fine. And Jeff, what, what did you think?
0: Well, okay. so I know I I always say I'm a Marvel zombie from way back. And because of that, I know a lot of people accuse me of having a bias, uh, which I, I really don't think I do. I do. I will cop to the fact that I hold the Marvel characters in a very special place in my heart. But I love the DC characters as well. I mean, the my favorite superhero movie growing up was the Richard Donner Superman. Like oh, yeah, that, yeah. that movie is a classic and will always be beloved to me. I love Superman, Batman. I love those characters, uh, and Superman in particular is one that's very, very close to my heart. I wanted to love Man of Steel, so I was so excited that Zack Snyder got a those chance. Trailers to-
1: were so good. Uh, a lot it, of good stuff. Yeah,
0: I just thought he, he was going to knock it out of the park, and it just – it was so – I felt like it was such a wrong-headed take <laughs> on the character, and and Batman versus Superman just doubled down on that. Um, but having come out of Wonder Woman, I really, really wanted to love Justice League. I was ready to love it. Right. And literally the first 15 seconds of this movie <laughs> – it tries to retcon the other two Superman movies right. in just one fell swoop. It just tries to go, oh, it's Superman, you're you are beloved by everyone. You are a symbol of hope. And it's like, what, what? You no, you did not you did not earn that. You didn't know what movie. You had two movies to earn that, and you did not. You squandered that opportunity. And it it put me in such a an aggravated place of they just told me that Superman was this symbol of hope and the whole premise behind I mean I guess we should have said spoilers for Batman versus Superman that, but
1: yeah we know that going everybody on, yeah.
0: yeah um the whole premise upon which Justice League rests is that the death of Superman was such a cataclysmic event mm-hmm. to the American psyche that hope is lost that he was such a beacon of positivity and hope that his death caused a pall to fall over the entire of the American culture, mm-hmm. which I think is an, an amazing premise for a movie but is not earned by those two other movies right whatsoever I I felt like I
1: was being gaslit a little by like (laughs) you guys okay I see what you're saying now but clearly you had those two other movies there was a montage in Batman versus Superman where he had a chance to go around and save people and people were grateful and they were treating him like a god Uh, but it wasn't the sense of being a pure symbol of hope like we I think we're used to and I think that we kind of need right now in our hero characters and the popularity like just how well Wonder Woman did and the overall, like, love for that movie kind of shows, like, we kind of need this. We need these right. characters to be just more profound symbols of hope right now.
2: See, like, I, again, as the <laughs> one person who loved uh, Man of Steel, I feel I feel like, I guess maybe that's uh-huh. why the movie worked better for me. Because I did 100% buy into it. Because I was, like, very uh, strongly emotionally affected by Man of Steel. And, like, still... Whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh shit, like I love that movie. It was so good. Like every time I do feel hopeful in thinking about it. But again, I'm an outlier, so <laughs> I
0: mean well, no, you have so a, It's a valid is, right. position, but
1: Yeah, yeah. The the thing, like I think what contaminated this whole universe is how that movie was portraying like early Superman, right? And what raised him and the Pa Kent stuff. That that broke my heart because first of all, I'm not a big Kevin Costner fan in general. Um but his the way he was portraying it like what you know what superman owes the world is basically nothing uh it feels weirdly wrong-handed and surprisingly selfish and just like it felt strange it felt like something i'd hear from like a watchman character right like yeah. you're like oh man when you guys need me i'm going to look up and say no I'm not going right. to help you um
2: well like the point though yeah. is that superman will say yes which is i f- i felt uh, i don't know if i 100 percent agree with that interpretation mm-hmm. but like even if i did i would say like that's kind of the important part of that where even if he doesn't necessarily owe anything to earth or to the people here right. he still chooses to protect us
1: he
0: does he does babe
1: that first movie barely... was entirely him wrestling with that concept
0: yeah and he that's... barely chooses to protect us yeah. Well, the, uh, and we can get does, into that. the yeah. big
1: alien appears, and they have to fight. But also, like the basic things of like protecting the civilians. I do what I like about Batman versus Superman is the fact that it dealt with the the tr- you know the terrible aftermath of that big Zod battle. Even though it also felt like that was a result of like fan criticism, just saying, "Hey, Superman just leveled an entire city." Basically, yeah. um, it feels like they used that for a plot line. Uh but you yeah, you going into this movie, right? So I was surprised. I, I think I ended up liking this movie a lot more than I expected to. Uh probably because Wonder Woman um gave this entire franchise a sign that oh yeah, like having slightly more hopeful characters kind of makes more sense for who these characters are. Um it's it's yeah, to me it felt just more inspiring as a story. Um and what's interesting, too, is like, you know, uh, so Joss Whedon co-wrote this script. Uh, he took over for partial directorial duties after Zack Snyder had to get to leave. Um, but he didn't get co-directing credit because they don't do that. You have to work as a team, apparently. Uh, I, I feel like I definitely felt Zach. Um, I definitely felt Joss Whedon's influence in this movie. Like, there's a better sense sure. of these characters. Like, we spend more time with them. As characters are not just always punching things. They're people who have their own like hopes and desires. Uh there's a bit more quippiness, which I enjoy. That's just the kind of thing I like in my pop culture. But quippiness in a good way because they're all commenting, I think, on really obvious things. Like, uh I, I could care less about Aquaman, but his observations uh were just in his general demeanor. Uh were just kind of fun to watch. Uh it's a great cast all around. That's what I really took away from this, is like You got Ben Affleck, who makes a good Batman. You have Gal Gadot, who we really love as Wonder Woman, but also Ezra Miller, fantastic as The Flash. Like, his energy, like, his manic energy is exactly what we need. Jason Momoa basically just has to look hot and be... Like cool surfer bro in a way, but I also really enjoyed his dynamic with the rest of the team. Uh, and
2: <laughs> I just uh, was talking to a friend whose mother was like, "I want to see Justice League, but the review's so bad, but she still wants to see it because she loves Jason Momoa so it's, much." It's a good <laughs>
1: movie for people who just want to watch these beautiful men, basically, because there, there is a lot of that. Uh, Ray Fisher, uh, I didn't, I could care less about Cyborg as a character, but I think Ray Fisher brought a lot to that role. Uh, because he is basically portraying Cyborg as sort of like this Frankenstein's monster sort of character who doesn't feel like he should even exist. So these, like, uh, just in terms of exploring these issues around the characters, I think it's just inherently more interesting. And that's what Joss Whedon also brought to you, the Avengers, and uh, even Avengers Age of Ultron. And I appreciate that. It, this movie takes time to step back and, you know, ponder who these people are and kind of what they mean for the greater society. Uh, but then you have the rest of the plot right you have like the big bad you have the world ending scenario and I, that's where i think this movie really falls apart um but yeah, I also gotta remember like that first avengers movie what the hell was happening in that movie right there there was loki he was like the main guy who basically all the evil centered on but there were also all the aliens and it was like there was a lot of madness going on but the aliens barely had a face we didn't really know what they were up to uh, it was uh, what made the first Avengers work, or the character moments. I think the same is true here.
0: Well, so far I've reviewed the first fifteen seconds of this movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't said anything else. But uh, I think I think you make some some good points, uh, Devendra, That uh, it certainly is the most watchable of what I consider to be the core trilogy here: uh, Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, and. Justice League. The only reason I'm not including Wonder Woman in, in it is because it takes place in a completely different time period, right? So it doesn't feel like a core part of this trilogy. Um, but it is certainly to me, I think, the least bad of the those three movies. But it is still so problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on a pure... I mean, it has it has fun moments. And I don't want to get past that be- because I agree with you guys. It has... It is watchable. It has some fun stuff. the The quippy stuff... For once, these movies have a sense of humor and some fun and some lightheartedness, and and I I found that to be so welcome. And uh, the last
1: two were very morose, like,
0: yeah, to the point of
2: that's why I liked them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but but for me, uh, this flash didn't work. I, I, I mean, he's he's fun comic relief, but like completely inept and I I would love to maybe he'll grow he's in future. Like a baby films, flash.
1: He's he's just learning. I he guess. hasn't fought before. It's, so he's it. the equivalent of Spider-Man in uh Civil War. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: He's Spider-Man, but we don't need like <laughs> that's not the flash. I don't I don't know. It's, yeah.
2: it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I, I agree with Jeff yeah. on that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like Ezra Miller and I think his performance is good, but I don't know that his performance belongs in this particular movie. Like I don't right. think it meshed very well and kind of felt like the embodiment of the weird tonal dissonance
1: (laughs) there's there's certainly a lot of dissonance but i really loved ezra miller and ben affleck like their scenes together like yeah that crazy dynamic i think is what gives this movie a pulse whereas batman v superman didn't have that that was a lot of like angry man angry about like um you know blaming batman blaming superman and being an idiot about it and superman like just really failing to communicate to what the actual problems were in that movie, uh, but anyway, go ahead, Jeff. Uh,
0: yes, and 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 Karen, you you brought up this tonal dissonance thing, which is which is huge, and it it's hard as somebody that covers the film industry not to attribute that to this these two different directors that have two very different voices, and it yeah. does feel like a Zack Snyder movie wrestling with a <laughs> Joss Whedon movie. I don't know that that's the case. It may have already had some of those weird things before Joss even arrived. So it's unfair to do that, but it does feel like this weird, you know, Batman just, I, I, I loved Affleck as Batman in Batman v Superman. I thought it was a shame that he was trapped in this terrible movie. Cause I really liked his performance. I do not feel that in justice league. I feel like Batman is mostly dumb, <laughs> pretty dopey, and not exciting. Nothing he does is interesting. Like, th- this movie doesn't even have – there's a really cool sequence with Wonder Woman right at the beginning. But beyond that, there's very little cool stuff uh, that even that even happens. Like, it's – there are a few moments that we'll talk about in spoilers. But um, for the most part, like, Batman <laughs> just as a dude, like, he has big – tanks in toys. this movie
1: yeah but, but they're giant yeah that's
0: that's pretty but they're not it. like cool batman gadgets they're like <laughs> i brought this tank and this even larger tank and then a tank that flies and yeah. then this like wall tank you know Ball it's brain. like ugh, i mean i, re- I really enjoyed
1: wall tank uh batman versus <clears throat> superman reminded me how much this batmobile design was basically the tumbler just like a little shorter yeah. and a little sleeker and that yeah uh, that I, I think that, rewatching Batman vs. Superman, I was struck just by how lazy that movie felt. And this one, I, I, there's a touch of that, but I feel like there's, I don't know, I, I, it seems like they're trying a little harder, at least when it comes to the characters. The overall plot, right? Everything around Steppenwolf, he's another guy who's is trying to destroy the world, and they've they got to get it these
0: things. so boring. Such it is so uninteresting. One. Such a
2: dull yeah. Steppenwolf is so bad,
0: and I know everyone is going to throw Marvel movies at me and say, "Well, like you did with the Avengers, and mm-hmm. even and and there are some sort of bland, uninteresting Marvel villains." Most definitely, uh, uh, yeah. True, yeah. true. This is a new level of bland and uninteresting, <laughs> and the MacGuffin could not be more MacGuffin-y in this movie. It is literally like three boxes. Three if boxes. we get all three boxes, we get the world it's well, really really i think it's just the first boxes? half of this movie
1: felt like a remake of lord of the rings basically right because <laughs> there are these three boxes that are distributed to the people of earth you gotta, you gotta right. keep them safe because this big uh, world destroyer guy with, with the big axe really really wants them
0: R- but wants do you know what's more world. interesting than boxes <laughs> rings
1: rings also, are rings are interesting because you can wear also, them that you can also anything anything is more interesting than a box they're not just um, anyway. boxes, by the way. They are mother boxes. And I really right. at some point we got to dive into the Freudian infl- like the Freudian interpretation of what all these things really mean, uh especially after uh, in Batman versus Superman, the thing that really got them to talk to each other is that both of their moms are named Martha. So that was yeah. a plot point.
0: I so. mean, you could even <laughs> argue that Hela in Thor Ragnarok uh-huh. is a pretty thinly drawn villain, but at least we have uh you know, an actress who is just tearing right. it up and right. it's fun to watch. This could not be less interesting. They like literally picked a random, uh, character model from a video game gave him a the most boring voice and we know nothing about him
1: it's it's karen hines who i love but yeah (laughs) Yeah, this character does him no favors yeah
0: yeah i'm not saying it's his fault i'm just saying like there's nothing distinguishing (laughs) about this character whatsoever the only thing distinguishing is like oh i've heard the word steppenwolf before yeah uh and i read a friend of mine uh (laughs) on on twitter i don't know if he wants me to say his name but uh he he's a big dc fan and he said uh uh the years that i've been waiting for uh a movie where justice league faces off against steppenwolf zero you know like that's it's it's just not like oh my god finally a steppenwolf movie you know it's such a
1: disappointment too like so there's stuff we can get into in spoilers is there anything you want to mention before we dive into the spoiler sections folks I do uh, want to say it is nice. Uh, so Danny Elfman uh, came back and scored this, and while we don't get the full Batman theme, it is nice to get kind of kind of just glimpses of that. And I think that's part of what made me feel I don't know a little more okay with this movie. Like these are all heroes who they've basically all decided, and Batman is no longer being a dumbass. He's like, oh yeah, we we gotta we we gotta help. We gotta kind of gotta save the world here. Like the shit's on fire! Superman. He dead. does
0: it in a super dumbassy way, which we'll talk about. <laughs> oh,
1: but he definitely I, does. Yeah.
0: The the only other thing I want to mention is Gal Gadot is mm-hmm. by far the most interesting part of this movie mm-hmm. by leaps and bounds. I, although I do like the 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 cyborg stuff too, but it's uh, given such short shrift in yeah, this movie. Yeah. But the reason that she is a is she's a charming, awesome actress, but B because her movie actually got us to invest in her character and give us stakes and a history and we like went through an emotional journey with her and we feel something so every time she brings up stuff that we know about from that movie it actually means something and all like it is and I know I'm going to get shit for this but it's it's what Marvel did like actually having <laughs> movies for each of these characters that stood <laughs> on their own and then <sighs> fed into this thing rather than just throwing all of the pieces together as fast as possible.
2: Although that's the whole league Marvel thing is kind of what's worried, what worried me about justice league and wonder woman as a whole. I thought wonder woman was perfectly charming, but I, in terms of justice league, I was like, it feels so much like they're trying to course correct by following somebody else's model that yeah. it feels bland like it doesn't the reason that i liked batman versus superman is because it felt so weird and idiosyncratic like it's trying to do so many things at once and while it may not succeed the popular consensus being that it did not succeed <laughs> um i felt like that was way more interesting to watch than what was going on in justice league and i also um i think because of my kind of like flipped movie ranking from Jeff or you, the way that I, that Jeff felt about Wonder Woman in this is how I felt about Clark. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Gal Gadot like didn't get enough to do in justice league. In so much as she has some really good story beats in the beginning, but towards the end, she's weirdly put into that same, like both like mother, but also girlfriend role that I feel like every one female a character on a superhero team is usually relegated to where they like Captain Nag and be like, "Oh, like you guys aren't yeah. being mature enough or see whatever." Someone, but like, also like the
1: fun at one point too. So. Yeah, yeah. Not not the best use of her. Like I I love Gal Gadot, I, and it was nice having the entire team here. Probably not the best use of Wonder Woman though. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, let's move on into spoilers.
2: Now you're looking for the secret. Tennessee to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out.
0: Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret, man. You want to be fooled. Okay, so here we are in spoilers. Uh, surprising no one, Superman returns. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is a spoiler to say it, make a but... a movie about that. Yeah, yeah. there's... there's And I have so much (laughs) to say about this because once again in these trilogies, and I'm sure, Karen, you'll disagree with me that you think it's a good thing, but once again, the first thing we see is Superman as a terrifying monster who must be feared. Mm -hmm. And the movie is trying so hard to convince us that he's this beacon of hope, that is, is good to his very core. And the only thing we ever see him do is behave incredibly selfishly up until the very, very end of this movie. All he, all he cares about in any of these three movies is Lois Lane... He doesn't literally doesn't care about anyone else but Lois Lane. She's the only one that can get him to be behave like right. a, a human being.
1: I, I, do, I do want to say though, well, in he that
2: just came sequence, back from the dead. Yeah, What's he did. I, no, okay. I
0: give a certain
1: allowance here because he is like no. zombified. Like he is like, that's, what is happening? Also, but
2: also the bad. first time we see Clark Kent is yeah. the kids video. It's not the weird resurrection right, monster.
0: Fifteen seconds of please, please think about the uh, Superman as a good guy, and then it's. Okay, so they established that he might come back as a scary villain. Mm-hmm. Okay, wh- what point would – the only reason you would do that is to create – a, a manufacture a fight between all the heroes, which right. you don't need. He should have popped back into existence and been the ultimate beacon of good at that point. He should have co- been back alive and, and – it would have been so much more satisfying and awesome to have Superman burst into the sky and then be a beacon of hope and then have these overwhelming odds that they still have to overcome. Yeah. Not have him be this like win button that they all know is a win button, but <laughs> oh, maybe he's a he's a win button that will be used against us.
2: Screw yeah, that. I, I agree on that point. Like it felt yeah. I found it like interesting to watch when he came back and was like, I don't remember anything, so I'm gonna kill all of you. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I was like. I don't know necessarily how much I like this as a part of the story and also how much it kind of cuts down the intensity of the final fight where I was like, nobody's really doing anything.
1: Well, especially Batman, right?
0: Fully useless.
2: There as far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is
0: literally like, oh, Superman can take care of it. Why? Why do you have a team if Superman is is so much more powerful than everybody else? He throughout this trilogy of films, he has always been treated as this nuclear option that is supremely powerful, completely unstoppable, mm-hmm. and terrifying. They've always like focused that, on
1: like humanity's basic terror, like humanity being terrified of him.
0: Yeah, rather and than which is
1: which opposite. is opposite. Yeah,
0: in my opinion, the problem mm-hmm. of this take is. Is that complete misunderstanding of what Superman is, who, what he represents, and how he works as a, as a narrative device? Like he can't be that. And like, what do you do with the next movie now? He, you have to (laughs) come up with some character that is somehow, you know, we already saw Doomsday kill him. So like, where do you even friggin' go now? I mean, this
1: the next movies, whatever, whatever they are. I'm more interested now just because the team, like we've done the table setting, right? We've done the bullshit that you need to do to get everybody together and maybe you can have a little more fun or do more interesting things. Like Jeff, to what you're saying, I actually don't think Superman appears as the kill switch option at the end, right? He doesn't, he's pretty much there to help. He's not there to be like, to take over. He's not there to do everything for everybody. Um, He pops up, he hits Steppenwolf like at a really opportune time. But his for the first thing he says is, like, how can I help? And I found that really interesting uh, because then he's off to, like, help some civilians. And that little moment where he and, like, Flash can go and save people. Also, great, hilarious cutaway moment. Flash is so proud of you know, saving that one family. Um, right. those, those little bits of comedy, I think, really work in this movie. But, yeah, I think the team overall works well in that whole final battle, even though I could care less about Steppenwolf. You have Cyborg doing his thing, trying to like you know de- get all the stupid cube back together. You have Wonder Woman, somebody who can actually fight. You have Batman kind of just flying around. Batman is completely useless throughout this movie. I will give you that. Like When it comes to any battle sequence, he is there usually fighting like one of the weaker flying monster things, but he's not actually doing anything useful against Steppenwolf. But, you know, he, he's making amends for everything he did wrong in Batman versus Superman. And at the very least, he was able to resurrect Superman and get the team
0: back together. Uh, I have to say I just found that Flash is useless. Flash uh-huh. is useless. He's he's too timid and weird and awkward to do. Like yeah. this team is not <laughs> impressive. But... It is it is Superman and his amazing friends. It's, uh-huh. it's like yep. their entire yep. purpose yep. for being is mm-hmm. to bring back the win button guy and it, it could have been so much more interesting if Superman comes back and is good and wants to be good but is now not as potent as he once was. Is now uh, it actually, you know, he's still Superman could do Superman stuff, but he's not omnipotent Mm -hmm. Superman. He's like a weakened Superman. It's like, Oh, I'm going to have to rely on my colleagues in order to take down this ultimate threat. We actually will have to be a team because I'm not Superman anymore. I'm this like zombie (laughs) Superman. I'm, I'm, you know, not really, but you know, I'm, I'm a, a, I'm only a Fraction of what I once was, how much more interesting a movie would that have been?
1: I think that that is kind of more interesting, but aside from uh, they didn't just use super, like Superman doesn't just come in and pound Steppenwolf to death. That's not how this battle is won, that's not how the movie kind of concludes. I just think there's no point at which it
0: seems like Superman is having a problem with Steppenwolf.
1: Um, Definitely not, but the actual thing they need to do to defeat him within the plot machinations of the movie. You know, it was like cyborg doing his thing, and Superman comes in to like yeah. help separate the stupid cubes. But there is teamwork there. That's what I'm saying, and that's something that we definitely didn't get in any of the other movies, like especially Batman versus Superman, which for the whole like first hour, I'm just like, you idiots, just stop, stop fighting! Like you, you're a good guy, Superman, and Batman. You're supposed to be so much smarter than this, and you're letting a stupid like tech nerd well, uh, just play both of you. Uh, we do have yeah. we do have a
0: bonehead Batman move in this one where it's like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we got the cube. We got yep, the third yep. cube. All we got to do is not lose track Hold of it. Hold on to okay. the cube,
1: guys. Keep track of the cube.
0: Just Where, like, keep who, it tight. Who it. put the cube on the top of that car back there? Was it... Oh, is Batman? Batman fucking just lost the cube for everybody. Awesome. Well, they all—they
1: all, all. I think they all share responsibility of losing the cube, right? Because they—they they brought the stupid thing there to to the to the Zod pool. They <laughs> Literally, all we they have to do is not lose for it.
2: Losing the cube. They do.
1: They do. It's like your one job, guys, is keep the cube <laughs> away from the evil villain, and they didn't. Like they were so happy is that Superman idiots? was back. Uh, they lost track of the like, one job. One job. That's all. That, that's sort of like if Frodo just like left the the, the <laughs> yeah. ring of power when he went to, to, to use the bathroom. It was like, oh <laughs> shit, where's yeah. that thing? Um, yeah, that is Zoinks, certainly the big it, boneheaded Frodo. move. I I would say that's not just Batman's fault. That is everyone's fault because they were all there as uh, semi functioning humans who <laughs> should be aware and think of where that thing, especially like freaking cyborg. He is part like he is partially made by that thing. So he shouldn't he like just know when that thing yeah.
0: is far away. Uh, here's what you do: you give the you give the box to the Flash, and anytime time <laughs> that Steppenwolf shows up, you go, "Hey, Flash, run fucking far away." <laughs> this is true. The one thing Flash can do now is run. Literally, uh, he
1: still occasionally trips, but you know they're yeah.
0: like, "Oh man, should we bring Superman back? It could be bad for us. It could be good for us." Oh uh, well, hey guys, guess what? The, you know how to, you want to save the world? Don't let the dude get the third cube. Right. Well, how would we do that? Oh, I don't know. We have literally the fastest human being on the planet. <laughs> uh, so when he he arrives inevitably to get it, move the cube to a new location. Just keep it moving. Faster than he is uh, anyway. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, uh, but there are two moments in this movie that I will say made me very, very happy and mm. delighted. Uh, the first is when Superman comes back and we have the classic Quicksilver style slow motion because we're super fast speed thing. Yep. And Superman is so fast that like his eyeball starts moving and he's like, oh, you think you're fucking fast, bro? I, and I Ezra Miller's
1: was... response there. That's why I love him okay. in this role. He's It is a great slow-mo oh shit face.
0: Yeah, that's all. And then the second moment that made me love this movie is the lasso of truth moment with Aquaman, where he's accidentally sitting on the lasso of truth. Brilliant, brilliantly. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that was Joss Whedon. That's just so Joss Whedon. That
1: feels like a Whedon touch. Yes. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and it's so brilliantly shot because he never he never pans down or anything. It's a static shot of Aquaman, and he brings the lasso into frame. It's just so perfect comedic timing. Mm -hmm. It's. That's a great, great scene.
1: Great stuff. Like I, I, at the very least, like Aquaman's character, I could care less about. Cyborg, I, I have very little info on, but he seems not just not interesting. And the movie at least does what it can with them. Maybe very little with Aquaman. Aquaman gets to be Surfer Bro and that's it. Yeah. Well, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Go
2: ahead. I, that's kind of where I was thinking, like, I, I know I'm going to get, like, kicked off this podcast, but I, that's where I was <laughs> thinking, late, like, Karen. oh, can- like, <laughs> you're already blacklisted. Um, where I was thinking, like, oh, I kind of wish this was more like Batman versus Superman because I remember <laughs> when I was, watching the, like, little, um like, Justice League clips come up uh-huh. when Bruce sends them to Diana in that movie the thing that really hit me was that all of those clips were like a little bit scary. Like there was something very kind of striking about them. Like, especially the cyborg one kind of dug into the yeah. like body horror aspect of superhero things in general, which is something that I wish would get explored more in the superhero genre as a whole. Like mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get that with a fantastic four movie, but we didn't get anything with the fantastic four New movie. Mutants coming. So that yeah, that's ho- true. Like horror,
1: pretty much like straight up horror at this point. Right.
2: Yeah, but like not necessarily having to have that mm-hmm. as the like main ingredient, but kind of just addressing that this is a very weird thing to be happening mm-hmm. to anybody. And I liked the sort of suggestion of a kind of Man of Steel-esque journey of discovery for Aquaman where he's just hiding out in this fishing village. And I was like, what, how long has he been doing this that they have like drawings of him up on the wall? Like, what's the mythology Yeah. I, I wish there had been more stuff, I guess.
0: It certainly does seem, based on what you see of Aquaman in the movie, that a solo Aquaman movie would be nigh on impossible to pull (laughs) off. Because the way he is visualized in this movie, I mean, I know that they can create the convenient little oxygen bubble in the middle of the ocean to have their dialogue scenes, but like any kind of Aquaman action sequence is going to be underwater and therefore soundless. And it's like, oh, you guys really just put yourself in a corner now you you can't make an aquaman movie because how (laughs) would that be it's not gonna not gonna be exciting it's not gonna be there's gonna be not gonna be moment of talking in the middle of a water fight you know it's like ooh, that's that's rough
1: (laughs) oh man uh i did like seeing uh billy credup surprise billy credup uh that's always fun uh yeah i didn't
0: know dr manhattan was the flash's dad there you go hell yeah
2: nice
1: little snyder universe callback uh, Yeah, that was fun. I, I think overall, like, just my sense of going to this movie is I expected very, very little. And that's because the day before I just saw Batman versus Superman. And just like <laughs> the dread of just like sitting through that. And my wife, who's not a fan, like she loves Superman as a character. She loved the Donner movie. Uh, She wasn't a fan of anything that happened in Man of Steel. And she thought like m- everything happening in Batman versus Superman was like pure idiocy. Um uh, and there there's just like a lot of dumb stuff happening in that movie for no reason, and this movie has some of that, especially like forgetting where the all important third cube is uh when the bad guy's looking for it that's, that's kind of a big, dumb moment um but I think in it at least builds the characters in a way that I found really fulfilling, and it was more fun and they were more enjoyable to be around and not just. Mopey bastards, um, all of that put together like made it a much more watchable movie, so you know, there's that. Like, it gives me hope for the future of the WBDC universe, and that's saying something.
0: It is saying something, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, too, think it is the least bad of the three, and, and there are moments that I found enjoyable. It's watchable, mm-hmm. it's not overly long it doesn't it doesn't it's not like these you know batman versus superman which is like really we're still going <laughs> um it so you know it is it's watchable it's just not special like right. wonder woman was you know wonder woman was a special movie and felt fun and inspiring like how do you make movies about these characters and make it not feel inspiring it's 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 Truly unfortunate. And
1: Wonder Woman also had the benefit of just being like a really female-centric action movie, and we just haven't really seen any of that. So all of that felt refreshing, and I don't blame anybody for saying Justice League feels stale. Right? This is aside from some good character work and good like quippy moments. Like it is still mostly the same bullshit we've been seeing for years. Yeah,
0: so- and we cannot we cannot end this review <laughs> and not talk about the worst beard covering CG in the history of (laughs) cinema. Maybe the first and only beard covering CG and yet still just horrifically bad. You
1: just don't have the technology to deal with mustaches. That's that's the
0: real problem. What? (laughs) How? What? It's like, if I hadn't known that story going in, I would have been like, what was wrong with Harry Campbell's face? (laughs) In those just a few shots of this movie, like his face didn't match with the rest of his body. <laughs> Karen, uh, you not? Did you not agree with that? Do you not think? Oh that
2: no, he's... I 100 agree with that. I 100 <laughs> percent agree. It's so weird and bad. I it, there's no defense for that. <laughs>
0: no defense for that.
2: Also,
1: very little defense for like the random Russian family that we follow for <laughs> a know. big chunk of the movie. I, I understand why it's important. We're following them later on. But early yeah. on it seems really weird also, and out of like,
2: place. I was like, there's like no other families around. Like <laughs> I don't I feel like the you could have spent a little of that time just being like, Look how many people are living here yes. instead of necessarily just focusing on one family, which did kind of make it feel even though Superman carries an entire apartment building, right, I was right. like, Yeah, but there's still like only this one family living here. <laughs> I really yeah. thought they
1: were the only ones living in that town, basically. That's what
2: it seemed like.
0: Yeah, I was ready for that to be a reveal of some future character, but no. It's just
2: Yeah, it's kind of like there has to be more to this. Oh, they're
0: the they're the puppy. They're the there's the random yeah, puppy. Save the you... puppy, save yeah. the cat. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No more future character reveals, please. Uh anything so there were two post-credit sequences. Uh, yes. the first was a fun that's like a fun thing. I feel like that that almost feels like something spawned from the brain of Joss Whedon, but I could, can't really tell.
0: hundred yeah, percent. That can, seems I mean, like
1: something that would come from his like uh, X Men run, like when he did well, it,
0: X Men, right? So it's like just it's a fun. very very uh, traditional DC comic book story. Is the race between Superman and the Flash? It's mm-hmm. been done many times. It's a very classic tale. Um, but I I feel like it was a hundred percent Joss Whedon just based on the Terrible beard cover-up that was happening in that sequence, like it had to be shot later. So, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was fun and and a cool um, fan service for people that know that Superman and the Flash have often raced one another.
1: Yeah, and the final clip sequence, uh, the return of Lex Luthor, of course. Yeah, yeah, like you know, as much as I dislike Batman versus <laughs> Superman, I do think Jesse Eisenberg's unhinged performance. Uh, that was interesting. That was a little refreshing, I guess. Uh, I, c- I could care less about Lex Luthor as a character, but I do want to see more Jesse Eisenberg Luthor at this point. And yeah, uh, who's the who's who's the big villain that appears with him at the end?
0: It was that Deathstroke? I think. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, it,
0: but I don't. I couldn't. It seemed like they were revealing who the actor was, and I couldn't place him.
2: It's Joe Manganiello. They've been oh, tossing yeah. him around. He's been rumored for like a really long time for that.
1: <laughs> but not like enough of a recognizable face, you'd be like, "Oh, it's him!" I think
2: it's because they changed the color of his hair. Like, because really? he usually has dark hair, but they made him blonde for this. Why would you do that?
1: Anyway, speaking of like random faces, also, um, who's it? The first, uh, the first guy that uh, Batman's fighting?
2: Yeah, was, Holt McCallany. Yeah,
1: Holt McCallany, who I love, but also co-star of Manhunter right now. Mindhunter, yeah. Mindhunter, yeah. Uh, co-star of Mindhunter. This guy, like I love holt mckelney like i've I've seen him in so many things, uh but he seems like somebody who's always gonna be stuck as like a character actor because the best he can do in this movie is be the guy Superman beats up at the beginning that's it. he's not a character with a name, he's nameless thug, basically, so I felt kinda of bad for him there, but it was a
0: weird that that whole sequence had a weird uh rhythm to it because he's he's ch- he's chasing that guy, but then like yep. the aliens come and then that guy's like all chummy chummy with Batman and it's like, hey, you're gonna go get those <laughs> aliens, you know? Is it's really a weird way to start the movie, I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, very strange, totally all over the place. But I think like much of the movie. Uh, anything yeah. else you folks want to mention? Um,
2: mm-hmm. I am. Um, I really want the solo Batman movie to be good. I want it to be good so badly. Um, yeah. I liked. Uh, I think J.K. Simmons is great as Commissioner Gordon in the like few minutes that we get him, yeah. and I and I feel like there was a very distinct kind of aesthetic feel to all of the Gotham scenes to the point that I was like, I really like want to see this in universe movie. Yeah. But hopefully they'll have their shit more together when they do it.
1: that would be great. And it's uh, what's his face doing directing those? Right, uh, the Planet of the Apes guy.
2: Yeah. Oh, is that okay? I didn't know that. All right, cool.
0: Yeah. yeah uh matt what's his name matt something matt right. reeves there we go reeves. yeah matt reeves um, and
1: that's a good one and also i really like uh i do love jeremy irons as alfred like jeremy irons as a fretting old man worried that bruce wayne doesn't have dates i think <laughs> it's kind of hilarious
0: yeah i mean the, you're right that the cast across the board is pretty choice but uh, squandered, in my opinion. It, it, we haven't mentioned either that this movie, I guess, uh, underperformed. They it, it came out the least, the the smallest opening of any of the movies we've mentioned: uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Wonder Woman. Um, do you think that's going to impact this universe going forward, or or the groundwork already in place too much for them to alter course at any in any like, way?
1: Yeah, they can't. They've committed right, and this is kind of all WB has. At this point, uh to... well, They got that Harry Potter. Yeah, that the Harry Potter is sorta coming back. But you know, the I don't I don't know if like the quality of the movies has mattered much to them, so it'll be interesting to see if uh the box office like blowback maybe does. It's strange that Suicide Squad did better as a movie, maybe because of the stars involved. Um but yeah, that oh god. I, I have to rewatch that at some point. Just to do
2: you like, Mm -hmm. do you have to rewatch? I feel
0: like I do. Just did I dream this? No, you didn't. Dream. Respect yourself. You don't need to do that. It's just one of those things. How did this
1: movie happen? Uh, My wife hasn't seen it yet, so I think at some point, just just out of her Will Smith love, we'll rewatch that. But yeah, not not looking forward to doing that at all. This is at least kind of a better step forward. But uh, let's wrap things up. As always, you can email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at, at slash filmcast. slashfilmcast. Uh, where can we find you on the internet these days, Karen?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter at Karen y. Han. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's really the main place, and main I place, link to you, most you of my many, stuff many, there. Bylines, so. Right? I do, yeah. Um, I link to most of my work um, on my Twitter, and I also have a link to my website where I uh, keep record of where everything that I've written. So
0: very cool. And Jeff, where can we find you? <laughs> Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do several other shows that you could check out, including two video game shows, a daily video game show, 10 minutes a day, keeps you up to date. It's called Newest, Latest, Best. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere you get podcasts, or you can find it at anchor.fm slash NLB. And a weekly video game show called DLC, which you can find at 5by5.tv slash DLC. I also do a comedy science show, called we have concerns which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com.
1: excellent and you can find me at at on twitter i write about tech and gadget.com uh gonna hopefully be taking most of this week off Uh, i'm super tired uh but i've reviewed a bunch of products and i'll have a nice little guide about buying your new tv going up this week uh so check that out before you put out the dough for a black friday tv deal Although those OLEDs looking mighty sweet right now. So, you know, keep an eye on those if you really want a new TV. And we'll be back next week uh, with a review of Coco. Thanks, folks. Have a good night. Get enough eye popping, jaw dropping, heart stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download
0: the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one month free trial now.